Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another episode of the Mystical Matchmaker Podcast. I am your host, Marla Martinson. If you've been here before, welcome back. If it's your first time, I am a matchmaker. Yes, a mystical matchmaker. I'm also a transformational life coach, award-winning author, Reiki uh, master, energy healer, um, uh, intuitive reader, Uh, Oh my gosh, I do all the things. I am a Gemini. My birthday's coming up soon in June, so I have to do so many things. There's too many things to to do. I'll never get to enjoy everything that I want to in my lifetime before it's over, I'm sure. Um, I'm sure many of you can relate to that. There's so many wonderful, fun things uh, to enjoy in this life, right? And Today I wanted to share kind of a personal share and share uh, some ways that you can set boundaries a little bit easier in your life. Um, I am a a certified boundary coach through Eleven Life Coach Academy, and I have been loving taking women through my three-month program, uh, 12 weeks to set better boundaries, um, learn how to set boundaries, because a lot of times we think we, we know how and we really don't. Um, we go through shadow work, we go through uh, codependency, uh, putting yourself in the center of your own life. It's just a big, amazing, beautiful shift that happens uh, when we go through this this uh, coaching together. It's one-on-one. And uh, if you're interested in finding out more about it, you can go to my website, marlamartinson.com, and everything's there. And also, while you're there, grab the uh, high-frequency uh, guided meditation that's on my um, site, and you can download that. Just put in your email, and then you'll be connected uh, to me on my with my newsletter that I send out about once a week. So I, ha- I, I, I did something kind of crazy, um, April Fool's. It was just happened to be on April Fool's. I realized in my own life some boundaries with myself. I needed to reset myself. I needed to set some new boundaries around uh, the way I was interacting in my relationship. I'm married uh, for 20 years to my uh, wonderful husband, but there was some things that um, sticking points that were just not acceptable anymore, uh, dynamic, and I thinking to myself, well, here I'm helping women to find love, to keep love, to love themselves, to set boundaries, and then I still haven't handled this uh, issue in my own life, and so I had to do something kind of radical, and I uh, threw a couple suitcases in my car and with my dog, and on uh, April 1st, I, I left Los Angeles, and I drove to Seattle to my mother's house, and I'm here. I'll be here a month. And uh, it was almost like I had never driven any farther than uh, San Diego up until that point um, by myself. 
I'd never, um, you know, I don't even think maybe, yeah, I think that's the longest car ride I've ever been in. And uh, I made sure that I drove during the day. Uh, it took me three days to get up here. I stayed two nights on the road. I, the first, the, But the first leg of the trip, I had no idea that um, the 101 North was the scenic route. So it was the real long route. I just thought I was not in a good space in my head. And I just thought, okay, 101 North, that, that goes to Seattle. And I just started on my journey and it was absolutely exquisite the scenery the water the, the being by the ocean and the sun just spark you know showering sparkles all over the the water and then driving through the beautiful countryside dotted with cows and and sheep and horses and beautiful landscapes and flowers and mountains i mean it was great but it was long and then when i finally got up to the san francisco so i had decided my first stop my first i'd spend the night in petaluma california because i knew san francisco is all you know messed up at this time you know it's like chaotic there with everything going on and i just didn't i thought i don't i won't stay in san francisco where should i stay i don't know i'm not familiar with northern california really been to San Francisco a couple times but so I said oh I saw online Pet- Petaluma is beautiful and it's safe and clean and serene and uh, charming and so I thought okay I'll stay there so I booked a, a hotel but it 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 took me 12 hours I did have to stop a couple times to get gas go to the bathroom but it took 12 hours and by the time I left the house at one and then I didn't get there till like 11 at night. And going through San Francisco at night on the freeway, bumper to bumper, there was a lot of road work, you know, road work going on. It was, I just started questioning myself and I was like beating myself up like, Marla, what are you doing? What in the hell are you doing sitting on the freeway in San Francisco in the dark, you know, alone, just you and the dog. And um, you could be home in bed right now and, by then my, you know, it it was just, it was, I was crying. It was, it was a very uh, emotional journey. So finally we get to the hotel. I crash. I'm just exhausted. Get up the next day at 7 a.m., book a hotel, decide to book a hotel in um, Ashland, Oregon, which has always been on my bucket list place to go. Also Mount Shasta. I'd love to go there. Now we drove through Mount Shasta to get to Ashland and it was exquisite scenery, exquisite. I'm so glad that I got to see that. I didn't stop in Mount Shasta. I went right to Ashland, uh, spent the night there, just ordered, ordered myself some room service, like some decadent, you know, mac and cheese and some Chardonnay and just, you know, took a hot shower and, um, walked around and, and, uh, then, the next morning went down to the little town that, you know, Ashland and it's absolutely beautiful. I could live there. No problem. Just exquisite. And then from there drove the, what was it? Six hours up to my mom's house near Seattle. And it was, it was a tough journey. I felt afterwards, I felt like it was, it was, uh, I felt like I'd climbed Mount Kilimanjaro or I had ran a 30 mile marathon or something. It was like, Oh my God, I did it. I did this on my own, made this voyage, did a lot of journaling on the way and thinking and thinking about how I want my life to be, my relationship to be and all of this. And, you know, my husband was doing his own thinking and, and purging emotions and all of this. And so it's just a little break because, um, 
our 20 year anniversary is coming up of the day we met next month. And I just want to put a reset, you know, I just want to reset. I, there's been things that I've said, done, not done, uh, you know, just different things that, that in myself that I, I want to up level, I want to change and, and with him the same. And, and so I did this and, it's boundary. Uh, the the interesting thing is, uh, so I'm still in. I've I did a year. It's been a year and a half uh, um, in my uh, group. You know, the coaching group, the training, and everything. And I'm still in for another like year and a half. So we're we're constantly learning new skills. We're getting new programs. We're going through being coached. It's it's an amazing um, group of women that I'm in. It's it's Nancy Levin, LLCA, Levin Life Coach Academy. It's just amazing. And so I've got the support of all these amazing women there. And and uh, you know I was thinking, gosh, I'm I, now I'm a boundaries coach and I'm uh, working with boundaries, but I I had have to walk the talk, right? I have to do it myself so I can walk, walk you ladies through this all. And boundaries is the key. It's the key to everything that you're longing for in your life. And we often think, well, I'm going to share, I'm going to share now how about become, well, we call it becoming a boundary badass. I'm going to share how that will transform your life, becoming a boundary badass. It kind of sounds like, oh, top it. <laughs> it's really um, amazing goddess is the goddess energy that we're stepping into, right? So the definition that we uh, use, that Nancy Levin uses and that I use uh, in this coaching process, and our definition of a boundary is simple. Boundaries are the limits that you set to define what you will and will not do and what you will or will not accept or tolerate. So your boundaries are, in essence, what's okay and not okay for you. So often we think that, uh, you know, boundaries, something that you have to tell someone else, like I'm setting a boundary with you and you better not cross it. No, it's but boundaries are personal and specific and the boundaries are yours. So it's what's okay and not okay for you. So what we're really talking about here is being willing to give yourself permission to consider yourself at least as much as you're considering everyone else. Put your attention on yourself as much as you put attention on everyone else. Then, see, that's the people pleasers, right, who who will, you know, put the attention on everybody else, the codependents, the people pleasers, the high, you know, overachievers. But so what you want to do is you want to give yourself permission to consider yourself at least as much as you're considering everyone else. And then you bump it up to put more attention on you than you put on everyone else. Then the real boundary ninja move here is being willing to put your attention on yourself first. Consider yourself before you consider everyone else. So selfish. Well, selfish is not a dirty word. And we work on selfish in my program. We work about a lot of on that because a lot of women, especially women, you know, they'll want to put the husband first, the kids first, the housework first, every, the boss first, everybody else first. But when we're we're coming from an empty vessel, you know, we can't uh, function that way anymore. We'll break down. So just think about how many times have you said yes to something you really wanted to say no to? When was the last time you were able to say no without feeling guilty? Where are the places in your life where you make promises to yourself only to break them a few, sh- maybe a few short moments later? 
Before you can hope that others will be able to honor your needs, it's important to look and see how you can truly respect your needs in a more relevant way. Look at, so take a, take a look here at some of the sneaky ways that you dismiss your needs. So I'll give you some examples, and you can think about if you do this. Do you always let others pick restaurants, saying that you're fine with whatever everyone else wants? Do you ever tell yourself you'll start an exercise program but give it up only, you know, moments later, a day later, a week later? Do you buy things for others often but never for yourself? Do you stay quiet just so you don't upset another person? Or this one, which was when I would always do, say yes when you mean no over and over. And what a yucky place when you say yes, and you, but you wanted to say no, and then afterwards you're figuring out how to get out of it. Like if you accepted an invitation somewhere or said that you'll help somebody move or drive them to the airport, and then you're, then you're resentful, right? So these are indications that a boundary needs to be set. And you just have to remember a boundary is between you and you. We cannot expect somebody else to uphold our boundary. You know why? Because it's not their boundary. It's yours. So there's actually an art to setting boundaries that you can learn and you can apply it to your life pretty quickly. There's a formula of having tough conversations. It's getting comfortable with short-term discomfort over long-term resentment. Just like if you tell that person, you know, I really cannot help you uh, move or I can't take you to the airport. You know, maybe you'll feel discomfort. Oh, I'm not used to doing that. But that takes 10 seconds to say or less, and it's a short-term discomfort over long-term resentment. You'd be resenting your, her, the person, yourself. So it's taking responsibility for upholding your own boundaries instead of expecting anyone else to. So I call the art of setting boundaries and having tough talks boundary badassery because when you're able to master these kinds of conversations, Hey, you can't help but feel like a badass. (laughs) So boundary badassery is what happens when you learn to share your needs clearly without guilt or explanation because we're avoiding external conflict. So when we're avoiding external, we are really creating more inner conflict. So I'm going to teach you something really fun. This is how to craft exactly what you're going to say when expressing a boundary to another person. So I call it script writing. And remember, again, I keep repeating this, your boundaries are between you and you, first and foremost, even if it involves another person. And when we want to include someone else in our boundary, in other words, when we want to express our boundary to another person, there are a couple things you have to keep in mind. So one of the ways to look at boundaries is where do I end and where does someone else begin? From this perspective, you can see how you've crossed the border from your territory into someone else's and how you're taking responsibility for something that's theirs. Remember, someone else's, and this is, I love this part, someone else's response to your truth isn't your responsibility to manage. That's the codependent part when you're trying to manage other people's experience you know, oh, I don't want them to be hurt. I don't want them to hurt their feelings. I don't want them to ha- do this, that, the other. You're trying to manage their experience. So we've got to let them be adults and manage their own emotions, their own response. It's not your, your responsibility. 
So when others are involved, make the space to ask yourself, is this mine to take responsibility for? Because you may find that you're taking responsibility for what isn't yours and that what you're really doing is inserting yourself to manage, manipulate, and control the experience of someone else. So as you pull back from overstepping that line between where you end and someone else begins, you're able to start holding others capable of taking responsibility for themselves and for managing their own experience. And one of the primary reasons most people avoid setting boundaries is they just don't know what to say. They don't know how to do it. So as we ease into writing boundary scripts, just be mindful of the stories you may be making up about the other person and the impulse to put words in their mouth or over-apologize or even apologize at all for how we presume our boundary will impact someone else. Women apologize constantly. I notice it in my mother. I'm staying with her for a month. And she's, you know, for things that nothing to do with her. She's apologizing. Um, uh, another friend that I do a lot of uh, video chats with, she's always apologizing for nothing that she should even be apologizing for. So it's a, it's kind of ingrained in us. But this, I love that part because um, once we kind of, we, take responsibility for our emotions, let other people take responsibility for theirs, that over-apologizing kind of uh, goes the wayside. Again, so your boundaries, I'm going to say it again, are between you and you, yours to set and yours to uphold. That's important. You have to uphold it. And they're the first step to getting your needs met. Identifying your needs, owning that you're responsible for meeting your own needs, making direct requests, and following through with the upholding. That's the formula. And upholding is the key. Verbalizing a boundary to somebody else is not an expectation that that other person is going to respect or honor or uphold your boundary for you or change in any way. Just because you tell, say a boundary doesn't mean that that other person is going to do anything. So if we say what we're going to do and we don't actually honor what we say, we're handing off the responsibility to someone else. And we're also sending the message that we don't stand by our own word. These scripts are here to support you in knowing what to say, in choosing the words that you'll use to set your boundaries, all right? So we're going to choose these words. We're simply initiating a conversation in service to deeper intimacy and connection. So we're going to break your script down into three components. So plan A is your request. Plan B is your declaration of intent. And then there's the company line, and that's what you repeat over and over if someone challenges you. So let's just dive into plan A. So plan A includes a statement of how you feel impacted by the other person plus a request. So, so I feel X when you do or say Y. Are you willing to? And then you ask the request. So some examples. I feel frustrated and taken for granted when you don't wash your dishes. Are you willing to do your dishes going, your own dishes going forward? Or I feel angry and uncomfortable when your brother makes racist comments. I don't want to see him socially except at family gatherings. Does that work for you? Or this one, I feel resentful when your dog crosses the street and poops in my yard and I end up having to clean up after him. Will you please figure out a way to keep your dog in your own yard? So just notice the format of plan A is that you share the impact on you and then you make a request. You're not making a demand. So the use of plan A 
is predicated on availability of the other person being reasonable and willing to collaborate. But if they're unable or unwilling to meet your request, then you move to plan B to let the other person know how you're going to take care of yourself moving forward. Let's say you're dealing with a narcissist or, or a very difficult person, somebody in their ego. It, they're probably not going to be agreeable, so you'll just move on to plan B. You already know that. Um, for every boundary you want to set, you're going to need to have a plan B as part of your script as a backup plan. So plan B adds a statement of intent to plan A. I feel X when you do or say Y. In order to take care of and honor myself, I will do Z since you're unwilling to meet my request. So here's some examples of adding your plan B statement of intent to the script that I shared, okay? So here we go. In order to, so uh, having to do with the person that won't wash their dishes, uh, in order to take care of myself, I'm going to use some of the household budget to, purple, per, to purchase paper plates since you won't wash your own dishes. Or with the racist brother, in order to honor myself, I will simply stay home since you still want to see your brother socially. Or uh, with the, the one with the neighbor's dog, in order to take care of my needs, I will call animal control when I next see your dog coming into my yard since you're not willing to keep your dog in your own yard. So remember, when you state your plan B, you need to be prepared to put it into action and do what, you say, what you'll say you'll do. So you can't just say you're not going to go to any of the family events if his brother's going to be there, you know, and then go. You can't say that you're going to use some of the household budget to purchase paper plates, you know, if they're not going to wash the dishes. You don't just go – after you say that, you don't go wash their dishes for them, right? You have to back it up. If you say something, it's, it's – sticking to our word uh, and it feels so good when you when we are when we honor ourselves and our word means something so many times I threaten to leave I'm going to get out I'm going to leave I'm going to take some time for myself I'm going to get out of town I yell at my husband I'm leaving I'm leaving I've said that for years and I never left and so I finally took that initiative to take the break that I need to work on myself to to think about what I want, how I can go forward. And it's just like a little girl crying wolf if you don't actually do it. So it's just, I feel so much more empowered, even though it's painful, it's not easy. Um, it's an empowering feeling. It's an adult. I feel more like an adult than somebody crying, complaining, whining about a situation when I can really, there is always, there all, we always do have a choice where it may feel like I can't do anything about it. It's not working. I don't know what to do. In actuality, there always, we always do have free will and we always, there always is something that we can do an action that we can take. Right. Okay. So now the final part of the script is your company line. A sentence or two that clearly sets your boundary, which you can repeat as many times as necessary if the person tries to open up the conversation, debate your boundary with you, or argue. So often your company line can just be a version of your plan B line. So as a reminder, you just say, as a reminder, in, or, in order to honor myself, I'm going to do blank. So some examples of the country li company line. As I said, in order to take care of myself, we'll be using paper plates. As a reminder, in order to honor myself, I will choose to stay home when you see your brother socially. Just so you know, in order to take care of my needs, I will call animal control when I next see your dog coming into my yard, since you're not willing to keep your dog in your own yard. Ah, so how does that feel? Yeah. 
feels good. So it's it's simple. You don't have to over-explain. You don't have to say, I'm sorry, but, or, you know, eh, can you do this? It's just like, this is this is the impact this is having on me. Are you willing to do such and such? If not, well, this is what I'll do to take care of myself then. So when you begin setting boundaries, here's some things to remember. Avoid over-explaining your position. That's what women tend to do a lot. Express no more or no less than the boundary you want, want and need. Avoid language that blames the other person. This isn't about blaming, uh, shaming, um, arguing, yelling, uh, making them feel bad. Uh, if, so avoid any language that blames the other person. Just keep, try to keep the focus on yourself and your feelings. And avoid self-blame and only apologize if you truly feel you need to do so. Avoid self-righteous language. Don't make excuses for yourself and don't make empty threats. So uh, just a few little tips um, to consider also. If you are relating to a reasonable person, it's a good idea to make your request first to determine if the other person is in agreement before you share your plan. But you can use your discernment on whether a request will work. You know, if it's, if, if it's a contentious relationship, like I said, if it's with a narcissist or somebody that's very difficult, contentious, uh, angry, direct requests might be difficult and could open a door to a bigger argument. You know, you may have tried it before and failed. Um, the, the abusive or narcissistic people, they won't be able, capable of meeting you in a collaborative way. So if that's the case, you'll probably need to state your plan B and not even make a request. Uh, the second thing is if you don't expect the person to live up to their side of the agreement, you may decide to name your plan B, even if the other person says yes to your plan A. You know, if you, you know they, they said, oh, yeah, sure, I'll wash my dishes, but you, you know they're not going to do it. You might, you know, name that plan B from the get-go as well. And finally, remember that your company line is just used to avoid getting into a drawn-out discussion or argument. You don't need to, if they bring it up and want to discuss, it's not up for discussion. This is how I feel. This is the impact it's had on me. This is what I'm going to do. Again, this is what I'm going to do. So those are the three tips. And I'm just going to leave you with three nuggets. It's... Nobody else's job to maintain or respect your boundaries. Someone else's response to your truth is not your responsibility. And we have to find our no in order to free our yes. So let's just take a moment here, if you can, if you're not driving or, you know, have operating heavy machinery or something, just close your eyes and just put your hands on your heart and take a deep breath in. And just let it out and just know that you are worthy. You are worthy of setting boundaries. You are worthy of taking time out for yourself. You're worthy of filling your cup. You're worthy of taking your kids to your neighbors or the grandmothers or your husband or your sister and saying, can you, can you watch the kids for two hours while I take a bath and put a facial mask on and drink a glass of champagne or whatever, or go get a mani-pedi. This will make you feel great. It'll make you feel like a goddess. It'll make you feel in your power so that you can give from a place of empowerment and love and, and happiness instead of being drained. And just honoring your feelings and your body is your boundary barometer. You'll always feel it in your body first. Just take a minute to feel into your body and just 
how does your body feel? A lot of times we're not even connected. We're so much into the head. You know, we're in the head space. Instead of just dropping down into our bodies and seeing how, do, how does that feel? I started having some physical symptoms that were very scary because I was not honoring, living my truth, honoring myself in the things that I needed in my relationship. And I said, I need to take care of that. I need to make it clear, make it clear what I need, express it, uh, regulate my nervous system, relax, bask in the, in my friendships up here, my family, nature, been going out into nature, into the forest, breathing the beautiful air of the Pacific Northwest. And then I can go back renewed, centered, peaceful, instead of defending myself, arguing, trying to make the other person understand. Nobody wants to be told they have to change or convinced of anything. My dog, Macy, sitting next to me. She's snoring. I don't know if you can hear that, but she's feeling into her bliss. Ah, all right, so that's beautiful. I hope that um, you can put some of these uh, tools into action and try out your own scripts. And again, if you need any help, uh, connect with me on MarlaMartinson.com. I have my 12-week boundary um, coaching program one-on-one. It's very powerful. I also have a new uh, coaching program called Reinvention Coaching coming out in June. Uh, If you want to get on the waiting list for that, also connect with me on my website. You can send me a note or sign up for my newsletter, you guys. um, I send one out once a week. It's not spammy or anything. Uh, It's a lot of fun, and I give different tips and, you know, fun stuff to keep in because I want to keep in touch with you. And also, I just wanted to say that my uh, magical message circles are back. I took a little break uh, for two or three weeks, but what I do is Saturday uh, nights. It's not every Saturday now, but it's quite often. Saturday nights at 6 p.m. Pacific on Zoom. I limit it to about eight uh, amazing, usually women. Men are welcome, but it's usually women who show up, and we come on Zoom, and I lead everybody through a short meditation. Um, I send Reiki to everyone so everyone gets healing. I do a little teaching on something, some magical modality and uh, helping people to open their intuition. And then I go around to each person and channel uh, some messages from the guides. And you can ask me questions and I sometimes use cards, tarot, oracle, and then I channel. And it's beautiful. It's only $10. It's a way that I love to give back and connect and uh, just a $10 energy exchange to be together. And it's usually anywhere from an hour to an hour and a half. And um, would love to have you there. And that's uh, on my website. You can sign up. You just click and pay on PayPal, and uh, I'll get an email notification and then send you the link on Zoom. And so thank you so much for being with me. Also, I just wanted to mention that my, my memoir, The Magic Seeker, is available um, in Kindle and paperback. It's also on my website or on Amazon, and it is a magical deep dive uh, memoir. It's my fourth memoir into my psychic awakenings, my uh, messages from Red Eagle, who my shaman teacher, Riz Mirza, channels a a benevolent Indian guide, and I've been studying with, with them for three years, and doing shamanic journeys and healings and opening to channel and all of that stuff. And there's so much amazing wisdom. There's funny stories about my mom's neighborhood up here in Washington state. She lives in a 
uh, age-approved uh, manufactured home community. So there's a lot of fun stories there. So if you're looking for something uh, good to read where you'll not only laugh, you, you'll cry, you'll, you'll um, learn things, um, delve into some real esoteric ideas and all of that, uh, it's called The Magic Seeker. And um, I'm just sending everyone much love and great to connect. And until next time, goddesses, much love, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me on today's episode. If you love this podcast, please leave a review on iTunes and hit the subscribe button. For more inspiration and to stay connected, find me on Instagram at The Mystical Matchmaker or my website, MarlaMartinson.com. Much, much love and hope you have a mystical, magical day.